Hi, I'm Lindsay Boomershine, brand manager of High Five Gear. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Have your jersey tell your story. Order online at www.high5gear.com today. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Order today and enjoy high5gear.com. Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Berg. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Chris Warren. Chris owns six PBA titles and one major title, the 1990 USBC Masters, which was held in Reno. Chris, it's Tim Burke here. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me on. All right, Chris. Well, I thought we'd get together and chat just a little bit about some of the new changes that are coming up with the USBC and equipment. We're not going to hit as much on the other rules and regulations that are being put into place at the Open Championships. I really wanted to talk more about equipment. That is all the changes have to be done starting uh, by August 1st of 2020. So let's begin with the balance hole that, you know, we have to eliminate the balance holes. Let's talk about that and give me your perspective on that because um, are all uh, balance hole fillers, are they created equal or, or what can we expect from that and what was in your opinion, the thought behind the USB-C doing this? Well, that, that all has to do with the ball dynamics and, um, you know, understanding different ratings are G factors. With an extra hole, you can increase or decrease your differential and your RG factors. So what they've done is uh, they put a limit on the differentials. Well, now guys could exceed that by putting an extra hole in different points. So now the fillers that are going to have to be used to fill back in aren't going to replace the weight block, the filler core, and the shell. So they're three, that's three different densities. So they're not going to make a product out there that can fulfill those three different densities. So the weight hole that you have in your bowling ball now that has increased your differential or decreased your differential, the plug work's really not going to make that much of a difference. All you're going to be doing is adding side weight, finger weight, thumb weight, or negative weight. Uh, or top weight. It, it, that's all you're going to be doing, or bottom weight, depending on where the hole is. Um, you're, you know, it's not going to make a huge, huge difference. It's not what people think. They think, well, I got to fill that hole. That ball's worthless. No, no. But it does open a can of worms. It does open a can of worms there because if they're not using uh, a clear plug, what tells you somebody didn't put something in that hole? And I do see it says here that if that were the case, then you would be obviously subject to disqualification, et cetera, et cetera. But now you're asking someone to go in that hole and be suspected that you put something in that hole. 
Correct. And, and you know, there there again, that's where that, that, that comes in a problem because now if you use clear plug, that, that person's probably going to be a little upset with you because now that color doesn't match that ball. Uh, it's like it would be like buying a, a, a white car with an orange hood. Exactly. So, so moving along, we, we talk about this, and let's, I guess, begin. For, so for the average bowler, it's not that big of a deal, but as a pro shop operator, I'm guessing you're going to start implementing these rules. We said it's two years. We know not all balls last two years. Equipment doesn't last quite that long. Hopefully it does, though. So are you starting this in your shop operations, and would you advise pro shop folks to maybe start this, implement this on their own if they can, so that they don't well, have to? Well, <laughs> that, that, that becomes a problem, Tim. <laughs> That becomes a problem because now you have uh, bowling balls that are going to be illegal by today's rules that are going to be legal in two years. So you really can't implement that because you still have to stay within an ounce and three ounces of the top weight, uh, you know, without an extra hole. So, see, that's a, kind of a catch-22 because the consumer wants to see the most dynamic things they can get. It's going to be illegal until... August of 2020. So now, see, that's a catch-22. So is it going to hurt my sales? Probably. It's probably going to put a dampener on my sales because people are going to go, well, hold on, hold hold on, I need to wait. So new ball sales will probably go down for the next year and a half. And then when the other new rule that we talk about was the the side, the, the adding of the, the side weight, the, the extra side weight. So talk about what that's going to do for the average player out there. Well, it's, it's like they say, uh, side weight really didn't matter, but core dynamics does. Now, the different shapes of the cores dictate the amount of side weight that it, it takes to generate that. So it, there, again, it depends upon the motor, the core, um, and the densities there. So, you know, it, it depends on the shapes of the cores because that makes the ball transition faster. Uh, you know, more importantly than anything is is the shell composition. Uh, if you want to make it, you know, a, a, a little more fair, a little more fair, because the playing field hasn't changed. We've just dumped more oil on the playing field. That's all we've done. And and the proprietors had to do that to combat the shells that absorb the oil and tear the lane pattern integrity up. So if you were to take a scout and put three ounces of side weight in it, a reactive scout, put three ounces of side weight in it, and then take a white dot and put three ounces of side weight in it. Okay, and now you roll both balls down the lane. Yes, the, the scout's going to hook a little more than the plastic ball, correct? Because of the shell. The shell's going to want to dig in. It's a reactive shell. It's shiny. The plastic ball's shiny. Now, you take the same plastic ball and you scuff it up with 500 and compare it to that reactive ball. Which one hooks more? The plastic ball is going to hook more because it has more porosity, more surface texture. So it's going to transition its weight faster because the weight's going to be able to catch up. The ball's going to slow down. So the weight's going to catch up with the ball and it's going to pull the ball a little harder. So it, 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 it's everything that they're doing is is kind of, you know, it, 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 it's a step in the right direction, but it's not a step in the right direction. Um, you know, the volumes of oil are so high, I think probably the average is about 19 milliliters. Well, you look back in the early 80s, mid-80s, 70s, 60s, it was probably 7 milliliters to do a lane. And that's on a wood surface that has high friction with a urethane coating. Now we have a synthetic surface 
that has less porosity, and we're putting more oil on it. You hit on the other part, the oil absorption. So that that's another thing that the manufacturers are all going to be working in conjunction with and, and working on some new things as well. So let's talk about that a little bit and what you can maybe expect or what people can expect from the manufacturers from their perspective. Well, that, that that's gonna that's gonna take a lot of retooling, a lot of redesign, a lot of chemistry. And what happens with that is the cost of the product's going to go up because now it's costing them more for more research and more uh, technical stuff. So now the product's going to go up. Are you going to get a stronger ball? Probably not. No, you're probably going to get less stronger ball. But there again, as I said, surface texture. So you could just go hit that ball with a piece of sandpaper, and guess what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to make that thing hook. Uh, it's going to slow that ball down because it's like your car tires. The, the more traction you get, the better off you are, the better the car handles. Uh, a good example is, would you drive a a ball tire on a rainy road? Probably not. Not unless you're a really, really good driver. And the odds on you wrecking that car are pretty good. But now you take the, those and you put rain tires on them with a, a traction rating of triple A, uh, which is the, the most that they make a car tire in. And that ball, that car is going to hug the road. And it doesn't matter about the water. The only way is if it's standing water. Well, that's what we're bowling on. If you were to look at the oil being water and the bowling ball being a tire, that's what we're bowling on. So where where do you see this affecting like your normal league player? Like let's fast forward to the the year twenty twenty. It's August and you're starting you're shooting up for that first night in league. Your equipment is plugged, yada yada yada, you're all ready to go. Does it mean less possibly for the average league player, maybe less moves? During the course no. of the night, or is it everything going to be the same? No, it's still going to be the same. It's all going to be based upon surface texture. There's still you still got I don't know how many new bowling balls they come out with last year. A uh, hundred and fifty something. Uh, you know, and, and people are like, "Well, they're really just remakes with different colors. Colors, pigment change changes the porosity of the ball." Done. Hate to explain that to people. It just that's the way it is. The color makes a difference, and um, so you know it, that that's its oil absorption rate. Pigment makes a difference. It's it's like what's the difference in between a white car and a black car in the middle of the sun in the heat of the day? It, it's huge. It's huge. Uh, it, it, it's just difference in between black top and concrete. You know, I mean. You know, it's all it's all going to be about the surface texture, the tires on your car, and that's that's where you know if you wanted to make a huge change, I'm not saying that I'm the guy for the deal, but that's where the change would have to happen if you wanted to see a major difference in bowling balls. Uh, without that, you're really not going to see that much of a difference. Uh, so the, the the consumer should not even be worried. Uh, it's not going to help benefit them. It's not going to hurt them. It's uh, it's the uh, same old adage: static weights don't matter. Well, they do, but they don't. More important than anything is surface texture. And you know, you see professionals doing it more and more and more, and that's surfacing their bowling balls to match the conditions so they can get the ball to slow down. 
it's just like a race car driver adjusting his uh, adjusting his tire pressure and then his uh, stagger. Um, I mean, it's all just about adjustment. So the consumer is really not going to see a huge difference. Quickly, Chris, want to remind folks, please check out bowlingthismonth.com, bowling's best and most comprehensive technical resource, all at your fingertips, bowlingthismonth.com. Want to remind folks again also, please check out the BTM tournament, Bowling This Month tournament, going on in conjunction with the Open Championships. Rick Ramsey and his wife, Gail, do a great job of running that. So check all that out on the website. There's information on the tournament. you got your ball reviews on your left-hand side. got your featured bowling tips down your center uh, center of the screen there, rather. Uh, seeing some great stuff there. So remember, please check all of that stuff out, bowlingthismonth.com. Also, please remember to check out h5gbrands.com as well. Thousands of jerseys to design. You can design your own jersey. Dye supplemented jerseys, these are great. These are the ones you see that Kyle Troop wearing out on the uh, PBA Tour. On the PWBA Tour, you see lots of talented folks like Elisa Current and Lindsey Boomershine wearing those jerseys. So check all of those out. H5GBrands.com. You can be as flashy as you want. Maybe you just want a few different logos on there, but check all of that out. H5GBrands.com. $20 off your first order. Use the code ABOVE180. Put that in at checkout. You're going to get $20 off. You can help you design it. Very straightforward, very streamlined process. Show your individuality on these jerseys. Again, check everything out, h5gbrands.com. All right, Chris, a few other rule changes that took place regarding the, uh, again, Chris Warren joining me on the Above180.com podcast. Chris, some of the other changes were more made for the Open Championships regarding team members and eligibility and such and so on and so forth. Have you had a chance to think about any of those and, you know, what, you know, the ultimate goal of the USBC is to get and have more teams show up at, at um, and to make things a little more fair, I guess they would probably say as well, but to have more teams show up in, in tournament settings at the Open Championships. Are you, uh, what's your thought on some of those new rules where, you know, classifying teams and, and making them available to who, you know, really saying who you can bowl with and who you can't? Well, see, there's, there's that Open Championship deal where the lanes have been a little bit tough. You know, they've been hard to play on, and that, that's, that's understandable. Uh, you know, their ratios aren't like your normal league ratio, which is probably the average is, you know, somewhere in the 14 to 15 to 1 ratio. They could be even higher um, to where they go to, and they bowl on a ratio that's, you know, 2.5 to 1. Now, you're, you're, you're talking huge difference, huge difference. And these guys are out there bowling league. They're drinking their beers. They're having fun, which is what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and, you know, to call it an open championship when you limit the team's uh, uh, averages, that's, that's, that's not a true open championship. It's a, it's a, you know, it's just a big scratch tournament that you have a cap. You know, and you shouldn't do that. You should just let the best of the best bowl on bowl, you know, and the condition should be, well, you know, you want to see an increase in, in, uh, entries, block them, wall them up, let them go because you can put five of the best professionals in the world on a lane. And the difference in between a professional and an amateur is that you have a lot of amateurs that average 240, 250. How many professionals do you see averaging 240, 250? Not, is, not many, because the numbers outweigh. 
you have such a small amount of professionals and you have such a large amount of amateurs, it's just a numbers game. So you want to increase the entries, wall them up. Let them have fun. Let them drink their beers because you already let them drink beers now while you bowl. You used to not be able to drink beers. Now you can drink while you bowl. Let them ball them up. Let them shoot the telephone scores and, you know, because there's no awards. Come on. What awards do you get? Get a, what, a, a magnet, a keychain, uh, a certificate? You know, what happened to the gold rings? Yeah, if they're giving gold rings out, I'd, I'd understand, you know. I'd understand if everybody got a gold ring or a gold watch. I'd understand that. But there again, you're bowling for money. Again, here we go. Amateurs in any sport are not allowed to make money. They make money on endorsements. They don't make money in price funds. That is for professionals. Yeah, Chris, on that topic, do you recall when it was, when like that switch came for bowlers, or has it always? I mean, I know there's always been late night pot games, etc. You hear those stories from way back when, but has it always been um, a thing where amateurs now, you know, nowadays there's leagues and stuff they pay out. I mean, there's some people you can make a pretty good mint just bowling in your fall league. Well, bowling is the only sport where an amateur can make more money than a professional. Now that that's wrong. That that that's totally absurd. And don't get me wrong, I love these guys running the tournaments and stuff. But uh, if you go to your golf club or your tennis club and you play in a tennis tournament, you can win credit. That's what you win, credit. You don't win money. What you do with that credit and whatever thing happens with that is, you know, beyond their control. So in the late night pot games, there's always been gambling. Look at look at pool tournaments. Look at, look, look, I mean, look at everything. I mean, there's always been, you know, Side bidding. Yeah, I know someone. So, it was it was posted on social media. Someone said, "Did brackets um, ruin bowling?" Which is a bit of an exaggeration, but it does bring up an interesting point as far as nowadays with brackets, even at at the Open Championships, like we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's another thing. You know, brackets, brackets. Hmm. In some states, that's considered gambling. <clears throat> how many states have legalized gambling? Uh, you know, so that's that's another thing. That's another thing. That's another whole can of worms. As I said, you know, it, it, it's all about what has happened. You know, what has happened. You know, no, let's, let's, let's focus on what we need to do. Where are we going? What do we need to make our sport better? Better. You know, people are like, well, the two-handers, who gives a crap? They knock down 10 pins just like anybody else. Who cares? Make a better shot. I mean, that's all they're doing. Well, they have more area. No, they have more area because they have increased their rev rate. They have practice. It's not like it was just they didn't have to go down there and practice. They just picked a ball, ball two-handed, and boom. You know, they immediately averaged 240. It happened that way. It happened. They put their time in just like everybody else in the game. You know, it, it, it's all about people always find the bad stuff. People never really look at what is going to be better. What? How are we going to progress? How are we going to make it more fun, more advantageous? Uh, I mean, guys work 40 hours a week. They come bowl their league, and guess what? 
they just want to sit down. They want to throw a couple strikes. Want to have a couple of beers, maybe a burger, pizza. You know, they 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 would just want to relax. But then they go to the Open Championship, and guess what? They can't even throw a double. Now they're mad. Now they're upset. You know. Now they don't want to go back. Well, for your diehards, you go. I want to get as many pins as I can. Well, that's it. It's just, and for what? For what? A couple thousand dollars. Yeah, I know one of that, Rick that uh, Rick Benoit has been on on kind of this is this talk too that there's no real fine distinction between recreational bowlers like you're saying even some of your league players versus your high-end amateurs and your professionals and, and you know they're all grouped into one group basically and we're the only sport that does that correct we we people wonder why we're not a sport figure that out figure that out it's, it's not hard it's not hard. We have a lot of kids, young men, young women, that are practicing, busting their butts, learning how to bowl, and they're bowling on really soft conditions. Then they go bowl tournament, and they don't do so well. Now, how many of those are going to stick with it? I'm going to tell you right now, not many. And, and it's about growth. It's about growth. Then you have the kids that are diehards, and, you know, they're going to come up, and they're going to keep bowling, and, and, you know, it's just, there's no parameter set on the playing field, you know, there's no parameters. I mean, you can take a, you can take a plastic ball on three units and hook it, if, if you have any kind of notion how to rotate the ball. Uh, you know, so that's not an issue. Or is it an issue? If you make them totally flat, it's hard to average 200. I mean, 205 is a great game. But there again, now you're hurting the proprietors. Because the proprietors, people don't want to come average 160. They don't want to do that. They don't want to work at it. I mean, before, 180 was a great average. If you could average 180, you were a good bowler. Now, you average 220, you're a hack. That's 40 pence different. Yeah, the equipment's made some changes to the game. Yeah. Yeah, they have. But, you know, what have they really done? You know? There's there's so many things, so many, many, many things that can be changed. And the only thing we can change in our life is the way we think. I mean, and people have to understand that. So, as I said, you know, the, the Open Championships want to see their numbers increase. Hey, open them up. Let everybody bowl that wants to bowl. Wall them up because even the best professionals in the world are not going to be somebody that's, you know, having a good day. If they have a bad day, they have a bad day. But at least they're going to average 220, which is what they average back home. And they're going to be happy about that. Well, average 220. But you know what? I didn't, 
I didn't beat the guys that averaged 250, 260. Well, and to your point, Chris, to that, and I'm I'm kind of on the fence on what you're referring to, but to your point to that, then there was even that excitement of back when they had the live stream. I remember going back, it was in Reno maybe four years ago when the the lanes were a little easier and softer when um, when there was like 23700s, I think. But um, it was always like, oh, there's a, there's a big shot, hot shot team coming in. Are they going to do it? Are they going to win? Are they going to shoot something? Well, now it's, you kind of, you know, those numbers aren't out there anymore. And some people say that's good. Some people say that's bad. Well, that's, a, that's what I said, because you're, you're, you're diehard bowlers and you go, Hey, they're just tough, but your average normal league bowler, which makes up the big part of, uh, of, uh, the membership, okay, of the membership. Uh, you know, I'd really like to see a statistic on what the, what the average was for the Open Championship compared to what the normal league average is, including everybody. You take the same people that enter the Open Championship, and then you compare them to themselves on their league conditions. And I'd like to see what the difference is, you know. Would that take a little bit of work? Yeah, probably. Probably, but they have all the information. They have all the information. And information is, is key. Is key. And so they could go, well, okay, well, we were 35, 40 pins less than their national average. We might want to make an adjustment in that condition. Right? I mean, because that would make it fair. Well, and a lot was made when they, they took away, you know, releasing the pattern, which some people are for and against. And then the live streams, people were able to ga- gather some information when you watch some of the better teams, possibly. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of different tools. And then, who you know, who knows? Time will tell, ultimately, with all these decisions that we've discussed and everything that they're doing and changing with the Open Championships and with the USBC in general and the technology. And I know one of the key words I keep hearing a lot of when you read some of the releases and when you uh, take part in the conference calls, the media calls, et cetera, is integrity in the game, and integrity is one of their big things. So we'll see if it does help with what their goal is. And, um, and Chris, but it's been a pleasure catching up with you and you sharing your perspective on things, and, and all the best of luck uh, down the road. All right, Kim, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again, as usual. Uh, you know, take care of the fam, always, because they're first.